0: Here is your Radio Theater Channel weekly podcast for download. The RTC still has the very best old-time radio on the live streaming. And if it's music you love, tune in to the RTC Music Channel, where this link and many others
1: are on our website at oldtimeradiolisten.com. Now, here's Jim. Welcome, everybody, and thank you for listening to the RTC Weekly Download. I'm your host, Jim Dolan. This is Valentine's Week, so love is on our minds. We'll start off with Connie Brooks of Our Miss Brooks. Her would-be boyfriend, Mr. Boynton, when it comes to love, is as thick as a brick. He's not picking up what she's putting down. From 1950, Our Miss Brooks, Valentine's Day Date. Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop
0: tooth decay and luster cream shampoo. For soft, glamorous, caressable hair, bring you Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. (laughs) Once again, for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks, written by Al Lewis. Well, last Tuesday was Valentine's Day, and Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, looked forward to celebrating the occasion with Madison's biology teacher, Mr. Philip Boynton.
2: Of course, Mr. Boynton isn't the most dashing person in the world, but what he lacks in ardent emotion he more than makes up for by his passionate lack of interest in romance. In fact, I have long suspected that if Mr. Boynton is ever hit by one of Dan Cupid's arrows, he'll remove it with a scalpel, cauterize the wound, and kick Cupid right in his quiver. I was discussing my reluctant dreamboat with my
3: landlady last Tuesday at breakfast. I can't understand it, Connie. You're young, attractive, good company, charming. Thanks, Mrs. Davis. What are you doing after school? (laughs) Now, I'm serious. Somebody ought to take Mr. Boynton by the shoulders and give him a good shaking. I've tried that, but he's not a very good rumba
2: dancer. (laughs) Besides, I really shouldn't complain. We've been out on several dates in
3: the past few weeks. I know that, dear. But where does he take you on these dates? To the zoo. Exactly And he took you there again yesterday, didn't he?
2: How do you know? It's obvious If it's that obvious, I'd better spray a little
3: sweet air around I knew you were at the zoo by the way you were dreaming last night I got up to get some water and as I passed your room You were screaming like a wounded buffalo Why, that's absurd, Mrs. Davis I don't know what I'd be screaming about It was only a flesh wound (laughs) Cheer up, dear. Here are some Valentine greetings that came for you this morning. Oh, thanks, Mrs. Davis. Let's see. This one's from Walter Denton. I recognize the
2: handwriting. Well, an original poem. Read it out loud, Connie. All right. It says, My heart tick-ticks for you, my queen, with the steady watch beat of a new long jean. Dear Miss Brooks, I think you're keen. Won't you be my Valentine? <laughs> That's the feminine gender. <laughs> Listen to this, Mrs. Davis. This is from Stretch Snodgrass. Really? You mean he can write? Just about. <laughs> Here it is. When it comes to athletics, I get plenty of breaks. But when it comes to scholastics, I ain't no great shake. But since being in your English class, I don't sing the blues... Because nobody nowhere never taught me better than yous.
4: <laughs> now, that's
2: what I call a
3: flattering valentine. Why don't you open this next one, Connie? Even I can recognize the sender of that. How? Oh. Mr. Boynton put his return address on the envelope. Naturally. When he invests in the stamp, he wants to be sure it gets somewhere.
4: <laughs> well,
2: listen to this. You're on my mind where'er I go, even when I'm alone at a picture show. But especially do I think of you when I happen to pass our local zoo.
4: <laughs> there
3: he goes again. How about you, Connie? Did you send Mr. Boynton a Valentine greeting? Yes, I mailed it yesterday. I didn't find it, of course, but I think you'll know
2: where it came from. What did you say in your greeting, Connie? It was an original bit of verse, Mrs. Davis, called I Must Go Where the Wild Goose
4: Goes. (laughs) Let's see if I can
2: remember it. Oh, yes. To my valentine, Mr. Boynton. Though I must go where the wild goose goes, I also know what the wild goose knows. You'll think I'm jesting, I suppose, but no goose winds up in any zoo if he's really on his toes.
4: (laughs) Why, Connie,
3: that's beautiful. It's a wonderful idea for a song. Oh, I don't know. It's not very commercial.
2: (laughs) But I've been thinking, Mrs. Davis, today being Valentine's Day, I'd like to get Mr. Boynton to take me to a restaurant for a change.
3: Where does he usually take you
2: to dinner? We split a hamburger in front of the lion's cage. (laughs) I strongly suspect it's the same kind of meat the lion gets. (laughs) Of course, there's one thing I should be
3: grateful for, I suppose. What's that? He doesn't serve it to me on the end of a stick. (laughs) I'm sure Mr. Boynton realizes that this is a holiday, Connie. He'll probably take you to a lovely restaurant. No, he won't, Mrs. Davis. He was just telling me yesterday
2: how pressed he is for money. Seems he spent two dollars for a rare white mouse.
3: He's experimenting with it at his home. At his home? Good heavens, Connie, how can Mr. Boynton live in a place with a white mouse? He's got twin
4: beds. (laughs) But to get back
2: to my date tonight, if I had a little extra money, I'd pretend I owed it to Mr. Boynton for some ancient
3: debt and force it on him. Then he'd have to take me to a nice place to eat. That sounds like an excellent idea, Connie. Do you have any extra money? One dollar net. Now, if I had another dollar or two, I could... Mrs. Davis. I pass, Connie. (laughs) I barely have enough money to do today's shopping. I'd love to help you, dear, but... Oh, forget it, Mrs. Davis. I guess I'll have to
2: forget it, too. Oh, that must be Walter Denton. He's driving me down to school this
3: morning. Again? What's wrong with your car? Yes.
4: Come in, Walter.
3: (laughs) I'll fix some more toast and get some jelly out. That boy's one of the biggest eaters I've ever seen. He does do pretty well by the groceries.
5: Day greetings to the fairest of the fair, and I hope my little verses aren't getting in your hair. Your rhymes are most enchanting, but
2: upon them let's not brood. Pull a chair up to the table and start swilling up your food.
5: that's what I like about Valentine's Day, Miss Brooks. It puts everybody in such a good humor. But uh, before I join you for breakfast, there's something I'd like to take care of. What's that? Here's the buck I owe you. You lent it to me way back in September for a ticket to the ball game. I'll bet you don't even remember it. What do you want to bet? (laughs) (laughs) Here, Miss Brooks, take it. And if you don't mind a rather personal suggestion, why don't you slip the dollar to Mr. Boynton? Mr. Boynton? Sure. So he'll take you to a restaurant for once instead of the zoo. What? Yeah, you could tell him you owe him the money for some ancient debt or something.
2: Walter, how can you even think of such a thing, too? (laughs) That is, I know you mean well, but
5: do you really think it'll work? Sure, it'll work. Well, how about you? It won't leave you short, will it? Oh, not a bit. I got the money from Stretch Snodgrass last night. He's owed it to me since August. But Stretch doesn't make very much working in his father's pet shop. Maybe you shouldn't have taken it from him. Oh, he doesn't work at the pet shop anymore. His father fired him after the beef. Yeah. You know what a temper Stretch has. Well, last Monday, he bit an orangutan. (laughs) How hungry can you get? Well, his father just means to punish him, I guess. But meanwhile, Stretch wound up with a job after school that pays three times as much. Where is he working? In Turkey heaven. How did he get in?
4: I mean... (laughs) What in the world
5: is Turkey heaven? It's a restaurant, Miss Brooks. Of course, Stretch is only a busboy now, but... Who knows how far he can go if Mr. Turk takes a liking to him. Mr. Turk? The owner. Turk's Turkey Heaven, the place is called. If you tell me Mr. Turk's first name is Tom, I'll
2: hit you with a drumstick. Try <laughs> a swell spot, Miss Brooks. Uh, maybe Mr. Boynton will take you there some night. Not unless they sell turkey burgers and have a lion in the window.
5: <laughs> Honestly,
2: I'm so fed up with the zoo, I'd almost rather stay home tonight. Wait a minute. If I add this dollar you gave me to the one I've got already, we could... Come on, Walter, we've got to get down to school for the election. What election? I've just elected Mr. Boynton, the man most likely to blow me to dinner with my own money.
4: (laughs) Our
0: Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, will continue in just a moment, but first... Here is Vern Smith. No other dentifrice offers proof of such results. Proof that Colgate Dental Cream helps stop tooth decay before it starts. Two years' research at leading universities using Colgate Dental Cream. Hundreds of case histories makes this the most conclusive proof in all dentifrice history on tooth decay. Conclusive proof that when teeth are brushed with Colgates right after eating, Colgate Dental Cream helps stop tooth decay before it starts. Yes, the toothpaste you use to clean your breath while you clean your teeth now offers a safe, proved way to reduce tooth decay. Modern science shows decay is caused by mouth acids which are at their worst right after eating. Brushing teeth with Colgate's as directed helps remove acids before they harm enamel. Colgate Dental Cream has been proved to contain all the necessary ingredients, including an exclusive patented ingredient for effective daily dental care. Get Colgate Dental Cream today. Big economy size, only 59 cents. Always use Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay before it starts. Remember, no other dentifrice offers proof of such
2: results. Well, we got to school before it was time for my first class and I headed directly for the biology lab to confirm my Valentine date with Mr. Boynton. His enthusiastic reply to my reminder almost swept me off my feet.
6: I guess we could kill a couple of hours somewhere. But But frankly, Miss Brooks, if you're expecting any elaborate celebrations...
2: Of course I'm not, Mr. Boynton. I just thought we could do something simple and inexpensive.
6: You mean like go to the... No. Look,
2: before we make any plans, let me give you these two dollars I owe you. Two dollars? Yes, it was for uh, uh, gas. I picked you up in my car one night last May, and when we ran out of gas, you bought ten gallons for me. I bought ten gallons?
4: You had a beer with your dinner. (laughs) Uh, Let me
6: think a minute. You say this happened one night last May? May, say, was that the evening we were coming from the zoo?
2: We weren't coming from the casino in Monte Carlo. (laughs) Mr. Barton, take the $2. Oh,
6: but I don't seem to remember this incident, Miss Brooks. Let me take a look at my little black book. Black book? Oh, yes. I enter all my expenditures in it during the fiscal year. It, that way I know just how to budget myself from month to month. Now, let's see. 1949, August, July, June. Here we are, May. Hmm. May 1st, light bulb, $0.15. <laughs>
4: Collar
6: button, $0.05. Cents. May 2nd, 25 razor blades 9 cents (laughs) May 3rd Mercurochrome and bandages 90 cents (laughs) Uh, May 4th Stamp for letter to mother 3 cents Uh, Month's supply of frog food For pet McDougal 12 cents
2: That must have been The month Mac was on the diet
6: (laughs) It's funny I can't seem to find Any record of that gas bill
2: Please Mr. Boynton It must have slipped your mind Just take this
6: Let's look a little further Please May May 11th, ink ten cents, stamp for letter to mother three cents. At May 14th, shoelaces five cents, stamp three cents. At May 16th, laundry seventy-five cents. May 18th, stamp six cents. Oh, that was Mother's Day. I wrote mom airmail.
2: She must have been thrilled. Two days later.
6: May 25th, pair of socks, 35 cents, sports shirt, three dollars.
2: That must have been the day you had the beer.
4: (laughs) I don't remember
6: that item at all.
2: See, you just forgot to put the two dollars down. Now, please take the money and let's not... Well, thanks, Miss Brooks.
6: It's certainly nice of you to remind me about it. You know, this two dollars is going to make a big difference in our Valentine Day celebration.
2: You mean dinner for two, Mr. Boynton?
6: But two? Well, with this money, I can buy peanuts for every monkey in the zoo.
2: And so, class, if you'll just turn to page 18,
5: we can all go to lunch. Miss <laughs> Bro. <laughs> Oh, Miss Brooks, can I talk to you for a minute? What is it, Harriet? Walter told me he paid you back some money he owed you and and I'd like to do the same thing. Here, Miss Brooks, here's the dollar you laid out for two of my lunches last month. But Harriet, I treated you to those. Why should you treat me to
2: lunch, Miss Brooks? Oh, I don't know. Maybe the market went up.
5: (laughs) Please, Miss Brooks, I insist that you take this dollar. But Harriet, this is probably your lunch money. Oh, no, it isn't. Stretch Snodgrass owed me this money for months. He just paid me back this morning. Good old
2: Stretch. Since he's been working at Turkey Heaven, he's loaded like a turkey. Thanks, Harriet. This money's going to come in very handy. Now, if I could just think of somebody else who owed me some money. Wait a minute. Your father owes me a dollar since last December.
5: I'm going right over and collect it. I'll walk you to his office, Miss Brooks. But if I were you, I'd be very careful how I approach Daddy... He wasn't in a very good mood this morning. What was wrong? Well, Mother played a little Valentine joke on him. She cut a big heart-shaped hole in his morning paper. And she said she'd like to see his face at the breakfast table at least one day a year.
4: (laughs) That should
2: be plenty. I mean, that was very clever of your Mother, Harriet. I'm glad I didn't send him a Valentine. Well, here we are, Miss Brooks. Good luck. Thanks, Harriet. Now stand back. I'm going to open the cage. (laughs) Uh, pardon me, Mr. Conklin.
7: Oh, oh, good afternoon, Miss Brooks. And thank you for the Valentine greeting.
2: Valentine greeting? But I... I I... know
7: you chose to remain anonymous, but certain subtleties of phrasing gave you away. The biggest hint, of course, was in the signature. From an admirer.
4: (laughs) Oh, I'm not
2: the only one at Madison who feels that way about you, Mr. Conklin, but I am glad you like the card.
7: Yes, it is a dandy. You probably know it by heart, but... I'd like to read it aloud for you, if I may.
2: Certainly, sir. I'd love to hear it. Again.
7: <laughs> it goes, as our principal, you've ruled us with a firm and steady hand. You've hustled and you've bustled on our work you've carefully planned. Though so you've guided us and chided us, I've really been in clover because I know it won't take very long before you topple over. <laughs>
2: Franklin, I have a confession to make. That is not the card I sent you.
7: It isn't? That's strange. It's the only one I got.
2: Oh, mine must have been held up in the mail. I'll send it to you. I mean, you'll get it tomorrow. (laughs) I'll be
7: looking forward to it. Now, I've got to finish checking the business accounts at the school library, Miss Brooks. So if you'll state your business. Yes, sir.
2: You may not recall this, Mr. Conklin, but during the first week in December, I was taking care of the office while you were out, and a collect telegram came for you. It did? Yes, and I paid for it. You did? Remember, you told me to remind you about it around Christmas time. And did you? Yes, sir.
7: Then you've done your duty. Good day, Miss Brooks. <laughs>
2: Franklin, the reason I'm bringing it up again is that you didn't. Stop
7: dunning me. How much is the miserable item?
2: Well, the wire was 97 cents, so I gave him a
4: dollar.
7: You tipped the messenger boy?
2: It was only three cents.
7: You're very generous with my money.
4: Well, the messenger had
2: no change either, and as I say, it was just three cents.
7: But the amount is immaterial. It's the principle
2: that's involved. Oh, you're not so involved, Mr. Conklin, it's just... <laughs>
7: Please, Miss Brooks.
2: I've always felt that tipping is definitely un-American. But the messenger boy didn't mind. He was a little old Frenchman. <laughs> <laughs> sooner than violate your code, just give me 97 cents and I'll write off the balance under the Marshall Plan.
4: (laughs) I'm
7: not small, Miss Brooks. Here's your dollar.
2: Oh, thank you, sir. Now, if you'll excuse me, Just
7: one moment, please. In going over these accounts from the library, I find that you are six weeks past due on a book.
2: A book? Oh, yes, that was the one I brought home for Mrs. Davis. She can't seem to remember just where she put it. She didn't even read any of it yet.
7: Obviously. the book was called How to Improve Your Memory. (laughs) It's listed at $1.50 and I'll thank you for the money right now. Oh, but Mr. Conklin, we're still looking for it and we may... these accounts are all being closed out immediately, Miss Brooks. If you find the book, we'll be happy to make an adjustment.
2: But I can't afford $1.50 at this time. I haven't got it to give you.
7: Tut, 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 Miss Brooks. I just handed you a dollar. And that, you must admit, was like found money.
4: Yes,
2: indeed Like money found at the bottom of a snake pit
4: <laughs> Look, Mr. Conklin,
2: couldn't this wait until... Oh, don't be petty, Miss
7: Brooks Here's 50 cents, just hand me two dollars And your account is all squared away
2: All right, here you are Now may I go, Mr. Conklin?
7: Certainly, good day, Miss Brooks
2: It's a Lulu so far
8: <laughs> Hi, Miss Brooks
2: Oh, hello, Stretch Thanks for the Valentine. Oh, that's okay. I'm going to the cafeteria for lunch? I might as well. I have fifty cents that's just burning a hole in my pocket. The one that doesn't have a hole in it already.
4: <laughs> this
2: talk of money is probably boring to anyone as affluent as you are. Oh, I ain't affluent, Miss
8: Brooks. I just got a cold in the head.
4: Well,
2: it's nice to know there's something in there. By the way, how are things at Fort Knox? Where? Turkey Heaven. <laughs> Do you like your new job? Oh, I like it
8: real good. Of course, I'm just a busboy now. But if I work real hard, I don't always have to be a busboy. I can go places.
2: Especially if you get your own bus. <laughs> you don't
8: understand, Miss Brooks. From a busboy, I could get to be a waiter, and then I could go from waiter to mater.
2: Mater? D. D. Hotel. We seem to have lost contact somewhere.
4: <laughs> Let's start again,
2: shall we?
8: Mater is short for Mater D Hotel. Uh, you know. The head waiter who runs the whole restaurant usually? Boy, to be one of them, you sure gotta be elegant.
2: Yes, I know.
8: You only talk to the cream of society. The most cultured, well-bred, best-mannered people in the whole world, boy. And you know what happens when you're a maitre d'. What? If they don't slip you a five-spot, you don't give none of them crumbs
2: a table. <laughs> well, like I've always said, it takes a heap of culture to make a maitre d'. That's
8: well, a long way off, I guess. Meanwhile, I'll just keep picking up glasses and learning the business. At least it's good exercise for me. I do a lot of bending over. Bending over? Sure. I drop a lot of glasses, too. (laughs) But it's sure a nice restaurant, Miss Brooks. They got roast turkey, fried turkey, and cream turkey. My favorite is their special. Turkey or grating. It's turkey hash varnished with cheese. (laughs) And it's served in a shaving dish.
2: (laughs) Have you ever tried that? No, I prefer boiled turkey shellacked in the casserole. Oh, is that good? Oh, take a glass of domestic turpentine with it and you're out of this world. <laughs> oh, before I
8: forget, Miss Brooks, here's a credit slip for two free dinners at Turkey Heaven. The boss gave it to me for working extra hard over the weekend.
2: Two free dinners? But Stretch, I can't take this. You've earned it by your labors. You're the one who should profit by your own efforts. You and nobody else. Well, that's enough acting for one day. Hand it over. (laughs)
4: Here
2: you
8: are, Miss Brooks. It's no good to me, anyway. After nibbling on turkey all day, who can
2: eat? Wait a minute, Stretch. I've got an idea. I want you to find Mr. Boynton and give him this credit slip. Mr. Boynton? That's right. But whatever you do, don't mention to him that I know anything about it. Now, is that clear? Yes, ma'am. I'm to find Mr. Boynton, then give him the
8: slip, and mention that you don't know nothing about it.
2: No, Stretch, you're not to mention that I know anything about it.
8: Sorry. That grammatical carelessness will
2: be the death of me. It's been a very nice walk, Mr. Boynton, but... We're nowhere near the zoo.
4: Well, I,
6: uh, I changed my mind about that, Miss Brooks. Before we left school, I decided that this being Valentine's Day, I'd like to take you to a, a restaurant for dinner.
2: Oh, wonderful. May I pick any place I want?
6: Well, uh, that is, uh, uh... uh... I'd
2: like to go to Turkey Heaven.
6: Go ahead, pick any place you want. <laughs>
2: Now, this is a coincidence. Isn't that turkey heaven right ahead of us?
6: Well, that's right, Miss Brooks.
2: It's uh, rather expensive, isn't it?
6: Oh, money isn't everything. Come on, let's go in. Say, <laughs> hey, it's a good thing it's early. We won't have any trouble getting a table.
2: Oh, fine. Look at that turkey being carried out of the kitchen. Isn't it a beautiful bird?
6: Oh, yes, it is. But look, isn't that stretched snodgrass with that tray of glasses?
4: Yes. <laughs> Miss
8: Brooks, Mr. Boynton, I'll pick up the glasses later. The mayor d' is not here yet anyhow. i would like to sit at this table in the corner here? Oh,
9: fine, sir.
8: I know how it is when a couple are going to eat alone. they like a nice, pretty place where nobody... nobody can see them. Then if they feel like picking up a turkey leg in their hands, who cares?
2: <laughs> You're so right, Stretch. Now, if you'll just bring it. You got, a got be- it
8: pretty fast, Miss Brooks. Hope you enjoy everything. Incidentally, I didn't spill the beans to you-know-who about your knowing about the two free dinners
2: to you-know-what... Stretch. Go get Mr. Boynton a glass of water. And bring a couple of menus while you're at it. Yes, ma'am. I'll get them right away. Uh,
6: Miss Brooks, I've decided there's no point in my trying to deceive you, so I'm gonna come clean. Stretch gave me a credit slip for two free dinners here.
2: Really? Well, wasn't
8: that sweet? Yeah, folks. Water and menus. I'd like to advise you to read the menus pretty careful, though. The prices in here are mighty steep.
2: Oh, We don't have to worry about that, Stretch. Mr. You-Know-Who has a credit slip for two free you-know-what.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: now, let's see. What shall we order?
8: Gosh, Miss Brooks, there's something I forgot to tell you.
2: What's that? This
8: slip isn't good on holidays, and today is Valentine's Day.
5: Oh, no, Stretch, that's terrible.
6: Oh, well, now, now, calm down, Miss Brooks. I'm not going to see you disappointed. Credit slip or no credit slip, this is one holiday we're going to celebrate and celebrate right. Well, Miss Brooks, what do you think of it? Isn't this a magnificent bird?
2: It certainly is, Mr. Boynton. Now come over here. There's a pelican in this cage. (laughs)
0: Brooks returns in just a moment, but first... Dream girl, dream
10: girl, beautiful luster cream girl.
0: Tonight? Yes, tonight. Show him how much lovelier your hair can look after a luster cream shampoo. Luster cream, world's finest shampoo. No other shampoo in the world gives Kay Dumas magic blend of secret ingredients plus gentle lanolin. Not a soap, not a liquid. Luster Cream Shampoo leads hair three three ways lovelier, fragrantly clean, free of loose dandruff, glistening with sheen, soft, manageable. Even in hardest water, Luster Cream lathers instantly. No special rinse needed after a Luster Cream Shampoo. So gentle, Luster Cream is wonderful even for children's hair. Tonight, yes, tonight, try Luster Cream Shampoo.
11: Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful luster cream girl. You
0: owe your crowning glory to our luster
2: cream shampoo.
0: And now, once again, here is our Miss Brooks.
2: Well, when the zoo closed, Mr. Boynton and I caught the five o'clock hamburger and headed for home. But as we passed a nice secluded bench, I stopped him. Look, Mr. Boynton, we may not be able to afford a fancy restaurant, but we can still celebrate Valentine's Day. After all, we are together. We have a bench in the park, and school is over.
6: But how can we celebrate on a park bench, Miss Brooks?
2: Correction school is just beginning.
0: Brought to you by Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair, and Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, directed by Al Lewis, with music by Wilbur Hatch. Mr. Boynton is played by Jeff Chandler. Mr. Conklin by Gail Gordon. Others in tonight's cast were Jane Morgan, Dick Crenna, Gloria McMillan, and Leonard Smith. Doctors prove palm olive soap can bring you a lovelier complexion in 14 days. Yes, 36 leading skin specialists proved in tests on 1,285 different women that palm olive soap facials using nothing but palm olive brought new complexion beauty to two women out of three. Just wash your face three times daily with palm olive soap, each time for 60 seconds, massaging palm olive's beauty lather onto your skin. Then rinse. So start your palm olive facials today. Remember, Doctors Prove Palm Olive Soap can bring you a lovelier complexion in 14 days. sprinkled with laughs, listen to Mr. and Mrs. North, the exciting, fun-packed adventures of an amateur detective and his beautiful wife. Tune in Tuesday evening over most of these same stations, and be with us again next week at this same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob LeMond speaking.
4: This is CBS, the of Broadcasting system.
1: Next on our Valentine's podcast, we are off to Main Street for a visit with Lum and Abner. Lum receives a comic valentine, 1940. If coffee gives you indigestion, switch to a postum. (laughs)
9: The makers of Postum, the favorite mealtime drink in millions of American homes, present those two lovable old characters from the hill country, Mom and Abner. Most of you folks listening, I know, are not ones to advertise your troubles. But if you suffer from indigestion... But what more glaring advertisement could there be for that fact than the sour, ill-tempered disposition an upset digestion is almost sure to give you? Maybe coffee nerves is to blame for your indigestion. For it's common knowledge that while many people can drink coffee without having their digestion upset, many others should never touch it. So if you're one of those, if you think coffee spoils your digestion, be sensible and switch to postum. For Postum can't possibly have any bad effect. It contains no caffeine or stimulant of any kind. And because of the distinctive full-bodied flavor that's Postum's own, this grand mealtime drink has become the favorite in millions of American homes. And you can get Postum in any of your favorite restaurants and hotels when you dine out. So there's every reason, if coffee gives you indigestion, to start drinking Postum instead of coffee. Make the change right away. And after giving Postum a really fair trial, say for two weeks, see if your digestion and your disposition aren't much improved. Ask your grocer for Postum tomorrow. And now, let's see what's going on down in Pine Ridge. Well, friends, the Men's Protective Association, formed in Pine Ridge to defend the husbands against the unreasonable demands made by their wives, have given them so many new privileges that they now claim it a thorough success. The feminine population seems completely dominated. As we look in on the little community today, we find Abner over at the Gentle Down store talking to Lum, who has just entered.
12: Listen. Was there any mail, Lum? No, not
13: nothing for the store. Uh huh. What you got there? Oh, this is for me. Uh huh. <clears throat> they must have had an awful lot to say from the size of that envelope. I uh,
12: thank you, sir, Valentine. And I think I know who it's from, too.
13: <laughs> who?
12: Well, I sent one to a certain person, and I reckon she sent me one, too. <laughs> who, Morty Brooks? I ain't saying who.
13: Yeah, that's who it is, I bet you, Morty.
12: <laughs> well, what's wrong with that?
13: <laughs> well, nothing. Except I still think you're wasting your time. You've been trying to spark at her ever since they moved to town. She ain't never give you no encouragement.
12: Well, oh, what do you want her to do, throw her arms
13: around my neck? Well, I don't care what she does. But anybody with half-sense knows she don't care nothing about you. I seen you Sunday when you went over there and sat down by her and meet and she got up and scooted down to the fur end of the bench, clean away from
12: me. Yeah, uh, she's just bashful, I think.
13: Yeah, she's any bashfuler, bashful you are, while you never will get together then.
12: Oh, I don't know. She must care something about me to send me a valentine.
13: Uh, what does it say? I
12: don't know. I ain't opened it yet. Oh. Uh-huh. But I can tell her right now if she wants me to be her Valentine, I am. <laughs> or will be.
13: Well, what do they mean by that, Lom? That, will you be my Valentine?
12: What do they mean by? It?
13: Yeah. What is a Valentine,
12: anyway? Why, it's, uh. Granny's, <laughs> I never had to, to think about that. I know the 14th of February is it every year. Yeah. Somebody you like real good, you're supposed to send them a Valentine present. Let them know you're thinking about them and all that stuff. Uh
13: huh. They always have pictures of the hearts on them there, I've noticed.
12: Yeah, love's mixed up in there somewhere or other. I don't know just how it works. One I sent Morty had a big red heart and R run through it and then little lace looked like a doily all around
11: it. That's
12: <laughs> I mean, pretty.
13: Ah, uh, well, what's that supposed to mean, that big red heart and that lace and all that?
12: means you're in love with her. It's a good way of telling somebody without having to come right out flat-footed and saying it.
13: Yeah, well, I don't see how somebody would think you's in love with them because you sent them a picture of a heart with lace all around it and everything.
12: Well, it sort of means that Cupid's got you.
13: <laughs> Cupid.
12: do you know who Cupid is?
13: No, I reckon not.
12: Who is it? You saw pictures of him, ain't you? Of him? Well, Yeah, a little baby that goes around with a bow and arrow in his hand.
13: Oh, oh, him, yeah. Says 1940 on him, him standing there by his grandpa. No, no,
12: that's the new year coming in. Oh. But he favors him right smart. Doesn't. Huh? This isn't supposed to go around and shoot people in the heart and make them get in love. Well, they blame
13: him. He's liable to kill somebody doing
12: that. He, he don't actually shoot you. Just call it that. Oh. Body falls in, love, the saying is that Cupid shot him with a R. But he never, huh? Well, I don't know. I believe he shot me.
13: Huh?
12: <laughs> I don't mind telling you that Morty Brooks has got me to where I don't know where I'm a foot or a horseback.
13: Yeah, if that's all that's warning you. you're a foot, I'll
12: tell you that. No, sir, she wasn't interested. She wouldn't be sending me no valentine, that's her saying.
13: Yeah, well, go ahead, open it up, Long. Let's see what it looks
12: like. No, no, I- Gonna wait till I get home to open it. Get home? Yeah. Get it all dirty down here. Oh, you will It's one of them pretty lace ones. I'm gonna hang it right there on the setting
13: Well, you can put it right back in the end, Bella. it ain't gonna get dirty. Now let's go ahead and take a look at it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> See what she's got. <laughs> Why, look at you. You're so nervous you can't hardly get it open, there. Eh? <laughs> I know. <laughs> the
12: first little thing she did to show me how much she cares for me. Oh, it's all folded up. i bet you... What's the matter? Nothing, Annie.
13: Uh... Let's see it, Lon. Let's see it. Oh, it's just one of them comic books Now, right hand on. it here. Let me see it. What, what, what does it say down there, that writing down there?
12: I don't know, and I don't care. I don't care.
13: If he ain't a beaut, you reckon she means that you look like that?
11: Just forget
13: about it. <laughs> <Once you're laughs> I look at them ears <laughs> and that mustache. My doggy, that's growed on there. Or stuck on them. Looks like a real one. Yeah. Let's see what it says here, Lon. Mr. Romeo. Well, <laughs> I wish I had a valentine, a charming prince that was all mine.
12: Is that what that says, Sean there?
13: Yeah, that's the way it
12: starts out here. Well, wait a minute. Maybe she ain't making fun of me after all. <laughs> Sounds like she's sort of in love with me. <laughs> Say, she wishes she had a valentine. Huh?
13: A charming prince. It was all mine, yeah. he
12: said. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and read the rest of it. You
13: see, a man that would be good and true... Bless her heart. But I don't want no part of you. Huh? You think you are a ladies' man... But no gal could love you with that pan. Your face looks like a plate of hash with that handlebar mustache. (laughs) So I'm still looking for a man divine. But you're just a comic valentine.
12: (laughs) Now, what's her dad blame funny about that?
13: Well, that's a funny way she's got to tell you she loves you. (laughs) Give me that. Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Now, don't turn it up, Lom. I want to show that to Grandpa. If you
12: mention this to us old Abner Peabody, I'll whop you right on top of the head. Got to where I can't even read my private mail around here without you telling it all over town.
13: I oh, sworn to, goodness, it that you ought to be ashamed of yourself. And I ain't oh, told nothing to nobody, neither. Wouldn't go telling nothing on you.
4: <laughs>
13: Your face looks like a plate of hash with that handlebar mustache. That's a gooder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish you hadn't I tore that up. I'd love to have kept that thing. Oh,
12: green Granny, that settles it. I'm a good mind to join that men's protective association myself. I believe I could lawsuit her for sending such as that through the mail. Out and out slander's all it is.
13: Yeah, well, you can't join an association, long unless you're married. I'll tell you that right now. Well,
12: I ain't gonna get married to get into the thing, I'll guarantee you that.
13: Mm-hmm. But it's a good thing, though, if you was married. I'll tell you we sure saved old Mo's moose life the other day. That woman of his would have beat him to death if we hadn't separated him. She did hit Luke Spears there once.
12: Granted, that reminds me is uh, Moe's in bad with the association.
13: In bad with
12: them? There's a sign down there on his window that says, Don't trade here. This shop's boycotted by the Men's Protective Association.
13: Oh, oh, that. No, I seen that down there. No, we're doing that to help Moe's out. Help him out? Yeah. See, that way, why... That's the way we got to get even with this woman for breaking the rules the other day and jumping on him when she agreed not to. See, if Mose don't do no business, why, she won't have no money to buy vittles with, and that way she don't eat. get even with her. Well, that's kind of hard on Mose, ain't it? Uh, <laughs> what does he say about it? Oh, well, I don't. Think he much likes it most. He says it's just ruining his business. That's sure. But he's got to go with what the association says. Well, there ought to be some
12: better way than that to punish her.
13: Yeah, well, it might be. We did try to figure out something else. Wrecked her brains. Thought so once a fine in there, a hundred dollars for it. And we have to think that Mose would have to pay it if we did just be out a hundred dollars. Mm.
12: That's the only thing I see wrong with the organization. Women folks don't abide by the rules. I don't know what the associates can do about it. They can't horse them. No,
13: no. Well, there's a committee working on that now. Trying Wait, to... Here
12: comes your grand defender, or whatever it is you call him.
13: Huh? Oh, Squire. <laughs> Maybe they found some way to punish these women when they bust the rules. There's been two or three uprisings in the last day or two. Uprising? Yeah, women folks busting the rules. Are, are
11: women.
13: Hey, howdy, Brother Squire.
11: Yeah, come in, Squire. Uh, brother Abner. I'm calling a special meeting down to Lodge Hall right away. Want all the members of the Men's Protective Association to be there, too. Yeah, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Squaw. I don't know where I can get away or not.
13: Uh, couldn't we have it tonight?
11: No, no. It's a matter of business. It can't wait, Brother Ebner. We've got to act and act quickly or our organization is ruined. I just found out a while ago that the women of the town are having a secret meeting this afternoon over at Moore's Boots' house. And they're planning to organize a Women's Protective Association here in town. Uh-oh. Now, unless we can put a stop to it, conditions in this town will be ten times worse than ever were before. Oh, my goodness, yes. We've got our backs to the wall, men. Our freedom hangs in the balance. If we don't put a stop to this movement, we're going right back into marital slavery. We've got to fight for our rights, men, and fight to the last day. (laughs)
9: Well, it seems as though Civil War is brewing in Pine Ridge. Did you ever stop at the end of the day to add up the number of times you'd been cranky and peevish with someone? Maybe you snapped at a clerk who couldn't help keeping you waiting. Maybe you lost your temper with your own family. Well, I know you'd much rather be cheerful and good-natured all the time. So consider this possibility. Maybe coffee nerves are making you tense and irritable. For while many people can drink coffee without ill effect, many others cannot. And that's why, if you think you have coffee nerves, you'll do yourself a real favor by switching to Postum. For Postum is entirely free of caffeine or stimulants of any kind. Well, there's absolutely no chance of it getting on your nerves. Postum is a mellow, full-bodied mealtime drink with a rich, distinctive flavor all its own. And you can easily afford Postum, too, for it actually costs less than one half cent a cup. So make it a point. If coffee nerves are to blame for your touchiness, to drink Postum instead of coffee. Now just give Postum a fair trial. Say for a couple of weeks, and even in that short time, see if the change hasn't done you and your nerves a world of good. Drink Postum. There's a reason. forget, friends, be with us next Friday evening at this same time, when we again visit Pine Ridge with Lum and Abner, who say, most kids who spend their youth raising cane spend their old age walking with one. Lou Cosby speaking. And remember, Folsom, your best bet for a good night.
0: This is the Columbia Broadcasting
1: System. Keeping with our Valentine's Day theme, it's Judy Canova's Valentine Flashback to Cactus Junction from 1946.
10: From Hollywood, the Judy Canova Show, brought to you each week by the Colgate Palmolive Heat Company, makers of Palmolive Soap and Colgate Tooth Pounder. gay tooth powder for a breath that's sweet present the Judy Canova Show with Mel Blank, Ruby Dandridge, Joe Kearns Ruth Parrott, George Neese, the sportsman Opie Gates and his orchestra and starring Judy Canova
14: How you gonna keep them down on the farm after they've seen Paris after they've
4: seen
14: How you gonna keep them away from the city chasing the rock Gonna keep them away from farms It's a mystery Imagine
15: Reuben when he meets his pa
14: He'll kiss his cheek and holler Ooh, la, la.
15: How you gonna keep them down on the farm After they've
4: been seen Paris the home
14: fires burning I tell you folks It's a problem Now you take my boyfriend Chester He went away And he swore he'd be back to the farm someday He said, gal, I'm leaving the farm work all up to you Now aren't that nice of Chester to do? (laughs) (laughs) So I pitched right in and milked the cows And plowed the fields and fed the sows One day I plowed 30 acres Got a mite hard, of course Better could have plowed 30 more If I'd have had a horse
4: <laughs> <laughs>
14: Then I kept good and warm all winter Through snow and ice By reading Forever Amber Twice
4: <laughs> <laughs> And then
14: come spring I sort of put on the dog Hung up a brand new Technicolor catalog But I show her Miss Chester To help with the chores Then one day at last, he come in through the door. He was dressed fit to kill in a ready-made suit. And he had a blonde floozy along with him to boot.
4: (laughs) So booter
14: I did. And they both left that day. Now I'm alone again. So that's why I say, Are you gonna keep them down on the farm after they've seen parry?
15: After they How
14: you gonna keep them away
15: from the city? Chasing around and painting the town. How
14: you gonna keep them away from harm? That's a mystery. They'll
15: never want to see a rake or plow.
14: And who the heck can parley boo a cow? How you gonna keep
15: them down on the
10: well, it's still a few days until Valentine's Day, and Judy is hopeful she'll be swamped with Valentines from her admirers. As our scene opens, she's talking to Aunt Aggie.
14: Just think, Aunt Aggie, it's still five days till Valentine's Day, and already I got a box of candy and one Valentine. You did, Judy. That's quite a compliment. Well, I don't know whether it is or not. Listen to what the Valentine says. Your clothes are really pretty cheap, and speaking of your sweater, give back the wool to those poor sheep. On them, it looks much better. (laughs)
4: Oh, Judy, you yeah, never seem to get anywhere
14: romantically. What'd you say there? You never seem to get anywhere romantically. Oh, I did all right in Cactus Junction. Back there, I had men by the score. You did? Yeah, that's how I got them. They didn't know the score.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
14: One handsome young fella named Homer was real fond of me. Was he unattached? Unattached? Shucks, he was practically falling apart. (laughs) Before he met me, he was going steady with a hot water bottle. (laughs) With no top. Uh, Did he have a good job, Judy? Oh, yeah. Homer worked in a war plant, but one day he got caught in the conveyor belt and went out on the assembly line. Gracious Judy, what happened to him? Well, I ain't sure, but if you ever see a P-38 eating a sandwich, that's Homer. (laughs) Oh, geranium. What you got there? Valentine's is Judy from a boyfriend, Palmroy, to his little seventeen jewel. <laughs> yeah, that's what he calls me when he puts his arm around my waist. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
4: seventeen
14: jewel, huh? Yeah, honey.
4: <laughs> I'm curved to fit his wrist. <laughs> <laughs> Uranium.
14: Uh, what kind of valentines did Pomeroy send you? Well, listen to this one, ma'am. Ain't it cute? I hope I make this love note clear. And please don't think I'm callous. But when I build my dream boat, dear, I want you for my ballast. <laughs> oh, now, ain't that sweet, Geranium? Read the ballast of it. Say, you know, Miss Judy, I guess Palmer really thinks I'm ship-shape, honey. Oh, uh, you are, Geranium, but yeah. your cargo seems to have shifted a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Say, uh, what'd you write on that other valentine? Oh, I like this one best. Listen, your cooking got me from the start. Hot biscuits, homemade jelly. The nearest way to reach my heart is really through my appetite. <laughs> 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 Hey, Geranium, look what I got this morning. Somebody sent me a 10-pound box of chocolates and bonbons. Here, have one. Oh, thank you, Miss Judy. I'll take this pink bonbon with the cherry on the end of it. Geranium, that's my thumb with red nail polish. Oh.
4: <laughs>
14: Say, what do you suppose, who you suppose sent that can Miss Judy? I don't know, but I'd sure like to. Oh, it was probably some romantic feller who wanted to keep his identity a secret. He'll probably walk up to me and say... Pardon me for talking in your face, senorita. Uh, Oh, hello, Pedro. What you got there?
16: Well, senorita, my girl sent back this valentine package. She didn't like the big red heart.
14: But, Pedro, ain't a red heart a sign of genuine love?
16: Well, senorita, this red heart is a sign of genuine dog food. (laughs) I think my girlfriend's father is in the trucking business.
14: Yeah, what makes you think that?
16: Well, last Saturday, I heard her mother say, here comes Papa with another load.
4: <laughs>
14: Pedro, how'd he get in that condition?
16: Well, Senorita, really, he went to a party. At midnight, everybody started playing a game called Who Am I? And by two o'clock, they weren't kidding. <laughs>
14: quite a rounder.
16: See, but since he saw the last weekend, he is a changed man. Boy, did that picture scare him.
14: Did he give up drinking?
16: No, he gave up going to the movies.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
16: you know, senorita, I bet on a horse called last weekend, and last weekend sure was a good name for him.
14: Why, Pedro?
16: Well, I bet on him Friday, and he didn't show up till Monday. <laughs> Oh, look, Senator, I wrote a poem about the races. Would you like to read it?
14: Yeah, let's see it. Hmm, this looks pretty good. It says, a fellow named Pedro went to the track, took $600 and didn't bring it back. There were horses to the left of him, horses to the right of him, horses in front of him, volleyed and thundered. Into the valley of death rode Pedro 600. <laughs> we <laughs> be
10: clarinet and his orchestra playing I Don't Care, Who Knows It. Use call, gate to powder,
4: keep
15: smiling just bright. Use it each morning and use it each night. Don't take a chance.
10: Colgate Tooth Powder. A breath of spring is most infusible but a breath of trouble is inexcusable. There's more truth than poetry to that, because a breath of trouble, I mean unpleasing breath, can mark you down, ruin your romance, make you unpopular. It's happened to thousands without their knowing. Don't you take a chance. Just do this. Brush your teeth night and morning and before every date with Colgate Tooth Powder. For Colgate Tooth Powder cleans your breath as it cleans your teeth. Yes, scientific tests have definitely proved that in seven cases out of ten, Colgate Tooth Powder instantly stops unpleasing breath that originates in the mouth. What's more, no dentifrice at any price cleans your teeth more quickly and thoroughly than Colgate Tooth Powder. Remember to buy it first thing, and remember the name, Colgate Tooth Powder, with the accent on powder.
15: Don't take a chance
4: with your romance.
14: Use cornage to powder. Geranium, who do you suppose sent me this valentine candy? Well, Miss Judy, do you suppose it was that sailor who tried to flirt with you yesterday? No, I discouraged that feller. Mm -hmm. When he tried to flirt, I turned on him and said, listen here, sailor. I'm a nice, respectable girl who lives at 1476 Ravenhurst Drive. And don't you try to follow me unless you walk faster.
4: <laughs>
14: hey, you know, some honey, I like sailors. They're such happy people. Yeah, sailors sure are happy. Whenever you pass one on the street, he's whistling. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
14: but Marines are even happier. Marines are happier than sailors? I wonder why. Their pants fit. Oh. <laughs> oh, howdy, Mister. Hello, girlie. Remember me? Oh yeah, you're that traveling salesman feller. Yep, yeah,
17: Roscoe P. Whittles the name. What does the P stand for? Prescription. When I was born, my old man got one look at me and took a powder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ding-donger. You tell them, Gypsy Rose, no one's got anything on you. <laughs>
4: Say,
17: mister, what are you selling this time? I'm selling a line of valentines, girlie. I got roses of red valentines. I love you truly, valentines. Baby, I miss you, valentines. And honey, don't take the train to Reno until we decide who gets the custody of the butter, valentines. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Have you
17: sold any yet? Yes, three, bub. My biggest seller is song, Valentine. Say, did you hear the Broken Girdle song? The Broken Girdle song? Yeah, June is busting out all over.
4: Oh! <laughs> Ain't that a whang, Billy? <laughs> Wish I could
17: add live, but throw something in here. Say! <laughs> <See? laughs> pretty good for a young fella, huh? Just, mister,
14: you ain't so young. Why, sis, I'm only 25. Take it or leave it. You mean you're 25 double or nothing.
4: (laughs) Now, wait a minute,
14: girlie.
17: Let's both go to a neutral corner and start over. You tell a boxing glove I'm a little punchy. (laughs) You know, I make up this stuff myself out of my head.
14: No fooling. How long have you been out of your head?
4: Well,
17: there's nothing wrong with me, girlie. You can tell that by looking into my face. Just look into my face. Okay, mister. And believe me, your face needs looking into. All right, girlie, I can take a hint. I'll scram. I'm going to make a noise
14: like a bourbon and soda and
17: highball out of here.
4: Gosh, if I had some eggs to
14: mix with that corn, I sure could turn out some good fritters. <laughs> Geranium, I still can't figure out who sent me that box of candy Say, honey, maybe Mr. Benchley Bottsford sent that candy Now, you know something that could be, Geranium yeah. Benchley is rich, he could afford ten pounds His aunt left him a million dollars She did? Yeah, but that money don't influence me I'd marry him no matter who left it to him Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, Senorita What is it, Pedro? Senor Benchford Botstop is in the living room Well, show him in, Pedro <laughs>
18: Hello, Judy.
14: Howdy, Benchley.
18: Oh, Judy, it's good to see you. Let me look at you. Ah, she is beautiful, therefore to be wooed. She is a woman, therefore to be won. W. Shakespeare.
14: Ah, he is handsome. He is a man. Therefore, I ain't gonna bother with the rest of it. Jake and over.
18: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Judy, you're so cute. Can I kiss you?
14: Shucks, I guess you can Most fellas have been able to.
18: (laughs) Well, Judy, do you let a man kiss you with the lights on or off?
14: Yes, (laughs) Benchley. Say, Benchley, did you send me this box of Valentine candy?
18: No, Judy, but that's a pretty fancy box of chocolates. I must have a rival. This looks like a fly in the ointment.
14: No, that's just a raisin in the peanut cluster. (laughs) Gee, I wonder if my old boyfriend Roger sent me this candy. Roger used to take me on dates. He did? Yeah. And you know, Roger liked Veronica Lake so much that one Saturday night I decided to comb my hair down over my eyes. Gee, we had a wonderful date.
18: Where'd he take you?
14: I don't know. I couldn't see a thing. <laughs> well,
18: I've got a dash, Judy. I'm going to the Hollywood men's shop.
14: You are? Gee, will you do me a favor?
18: Well, sure, Judy. What is it?
14: When you get to the Hollywood men's shop, have them send one over to me.
4: <laughs>
15: Give me a little kiss, will you, huh? What are you gonna miss, will you, huh? Gosh, your jeez, what do you refuse? I can't see what you got to lose Oh, give me a little squeeze Will you, huh? Why do you want to make me blue? I wouldn't say a thing If I was asking for the world But what's a little kiss Between the feller and his girl Oh, give me a little kiss Will you, huh? And I'll give it right back to you Give me a little kiss Will you, huh? Save along me for goat Will you, huh? My poor wrist is there as it can be. Won't you buy a golden band for me? or oh, give me a little car. Will you, huh? That would be mighty nice of you. Had everything, a motorboat, some pounds, a diamond ring. But, honey, if you feel you can't afford to buy those things, then give me a little kiss will you? heart, and I'll give, give it, it right back to,
10: back to you. Remember, doctors prove olive beauty results. It's true, doctors prove olive soap can bring two out of three women a more beautiful complexion in just 14 days. And this plan was tested on women with all types of skin.
2: Even women with dry skin,
10: oily skin, rough skin, women as old as 50, even women whose skin wasn't clear. Yes, 36 doctors, leading skin specialists, have proved the 14-Day Palmolive Plan improves all types of skin. Yes, brings fresher, brighter, younger-looking complexions. Start your 14-Day Palmolive Plan now. It's as simple as one, two, three. Here's all you do. One. Wash your face with palm olive soap. Two. Then massage your face for 60 seconds with palm olive soft, lovely lather. You see, one full minute of this cleansing massage brings your skin palm olive's full, beautifying effect. Three. Then rinse. Do this just three times a day for 14 days. And that's all. Remember, doctors prove this beauty plan with palm olive soap brought two out of three of all women tested a more beautiful complexion in just 14 days no matter what beauty care they used before. So get Palmolive soap. See what Palmolive can do for your own complexion in only 14 days. And for tub or shower, for loveliness all over, get the new big thrifty bath size Palmolive.
14: Judy, why are you looking through the photograph album? Aunt Aggie, I'm looking for pictures of my old boyfriends in Cactus Junction. I'm trying to get a clue to who sent me that candy for Valentine's Day. Uh, Judy, could it be this young man? No, no, that's cousin Gooney. He had a large mole on his left shoulder. Sure did attract attention. What's so unusual about a large mole? Everybody used to feed it peanuts.
4: <laughs> 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 He's a big
14: eater, too. He's a big eater. Uh, Judy, who is this young man in the album? By golly, Aunt Aggie, I bet he's the one who sent me the candy. His name is Luke. He was my very first boyfriend. But Pa and Ma broke up our romance. They did, Judy. How did that happen? Well, it's a long story. One Valentine's Day back in Cactus Junction, Ma was talking to Pa and... Uh Pa, you lazy
11: critter.
17: Is that coffee I smell?
14: It is, and you
18: do.
17: (laughs) What time is it, Ma? February.
14: You've been asleep since July
17: Feel right rested, too
4: <laughs>
14: Pa, you got egg on your face
17: Is it near my mouth?
4: Dog <laughs> <laughs>
17: no. Doggone, and I was right hungry, too
4: <laughs>
14: What you thinking of, Pa? Our
17: little girl, Judy Thinking how she looks more like you every day.
14: Oh, what's the difference long as she's healthy?
4: Pa, <laughs> oh.
14: oh, look out yonder.
17: What's out yonder, Ma?
14: Our kids is in the yard. I can only count fourteen. One of our young is a missing.
17: One? Gosh, Ma, you sure are a stickler for detail.
4: <laughs>
17: How can we be sure one is missing?
14: Look in the bathtub and count the ring.
4: <laughs>
17: What's a bathtub? <laughs> Come to think of it, Zeke says the dog catcher picked up Rance.
14: I told you we should have give that boy a haircut.
17: (laughs) Couldn't, Ma. His head was a-getting too big for the sugar bowl.
14: (laughs) Ain't we got no other bowl you could use on Rance, Pa?
17: Yep, but his ears keep getting stuck in the handles. (laughs) Too bad, too. His head just fit that long gravy bowl.
4: <laughs>
14: Look, Pa, here comes Judy's father, Luke up on the porch.
17: Should have let him in, Ma.
14: Sat right where you are, Pa. Don't get up. Why not? Don't want them hatching eggs to get cold. <laughs> Howdy, folks.
11: Howdy,
14: Luke. Sit down.
11: Well, I don't know. Has the furniture been cleaned lately?
14: Yeah, but we can clean it again
11: after you go. (laughs) Hey, is Judy here? (laughs) Got a valentine for her. Are you a courtin' Judy,
14: Luke?
11: Yep, I want to marry her.
4: (laughs) (laughs)
14: Well, Judy ain't much to look at.
11: Oh, it don't matter. I'll be away from home most of the time. <laughs> hey, Luke, is this true
17: love? Sure is. Would you love Judy any more than you do now if she had a lot of money? Say, a thousand dollars?
11: I sure would not.
17: Then get out. We don't want no fools in this family.
4: <laughs>
17: oh.
14: I reckon I better change my mind
11: about getting married.
14: Luke, you can't back out now.
17: Oh, well, I
11: can, too.
14: You just try, and I'll shoot you right between the eyes. Better aim Summers out, Pa. There ain't no space between Luke's eyes.
4: <laughs>
14: <laughs> just i seed potatoes with the eyes further apart than Luke. And, Aunt Aggie, that was the end of my romance with Luke. Well, Judy, do you think he sent the candy? No, Aunt Aggie, but I sure wish I knew who did. Oh, I'll get the phone, Aunt Aggie. Hello? Yes, this is Judy Canova. Oh, you're the one who sent the candy. Well, I wondered about that. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. Oh, Judy, who was it? Gruber's Grocery and Delicatessen. What? Yeah, you know, they had a guessing contest to see who could tell the right number of beans in a jar, and I won the prize. I guess 550,206 beans. No wonder they sent that little note with the candy. Well, what did the note say? To Judy Canova, the only girl in town who really counts. <laughs> Folks, here's a song that's one of my favorites. I hope you like it, too. I
15: can. Begin to tell you how much you mean to me. My world would end if ever we were through. I can't begin to tell you how happy I would be. Keep my mind the world.
10: This is Vern Smith asking you to follow the 14-day palm olive plan for a lovelier complexion. And don't take a chance with your romance. Use Colgate tooth powder night and morning and before every date. Ladies, there's still a colossal shortage of industrial fats, and one result is a shortage of soap in your stores. Remember, too, fat is needed in the manufacture of nylons, textiles, electrical appliances, baby carriages, and scores of other peacetime products. That's why Secretary of Agriculture Anderson asks you to keep on salvaging all the used cooking fat you can, for it's needed in the manufacture of soap and other industrial uses. Remember, ladies, where there's fat, there's soap. Keep on saving it. Your butcher still pays four cents a pound for used cooking fat. Now, here's Judy.
14: Folks, it was awfully nice being with you tonight, and I hope we'll all be together again next Saturday night. In the meantime, please don't forget the two products that bring us together each week. Palmolive soap and folgate tooth powder. The bestest in the world. This is Judy Canova from Hollywood singing. Whoa, the sleepy little baby.
10: Whoa, the sleepy little
4: baby.
10: The Judy Canova Show is written by Fred Fox and Henry Hoople. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.
1: That's it for this week. We'll be back next week with more old time radio and hope you can join us then. Till then, this is Jim Dolan thanking you for listening.